Hello and welcome to Please Don't Send Me Into Outer Space, the podcast intent on exploring all that science fiction has to offer, one movie at a time and one guest at a time, the brand new Please Don't Send Me Into Outer Space. Today, we are covering the movie Burst City from 1982. Hey there, everybody. My name is Joel Torres, and uh, I am one of the original hosts of this podcast. You may be wondering what happened to my partners. Let's just say they were attached to an asteroid, and I uh, haven't seen them since. I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, they, they both have busy lives, and uh, our podcast has been sitting in Codweb, so I decided I'm going to take a hold of this, because personally, I have no life. But, I, you know, I love talking about movies. Anyways... Instead of the usual pick a movie and we're going to talk about it, I am going to be interviewing a guest, and our first guest is my very good friend, Mr. Spencer Seams of the podcast Shoot the Piano Player, um, High and Low, Kurosawa podcast, uh, We Cut Heads, Spike Lee podcast, and not to mention your many blog projects. Yeah, I've been on other shows. I'm a, a regular on Movies from Hell at this point. And uh, uh, I'm on a grind bend like once a year, basically at this point. So yeah, I show up in places. You can can you catch them around the usual places that you'll see. That, there's like the secret web of people that like I'm barely a part of, but I'm I'm one of the points in the web that you know you'll find my guest spots also all over that place. I didn't even mention we also do the arbitrary indiscriminate movie podcast but uh that's because we release an episode every like three weeks <laughs> it's not not necessarily reliable but uh hey spencer hello you pick you pick burst city yeah so tell me about uh where you first heard about this movie when uh when we're doing our kurosawa season uh i was gearing up to do the site blog thing I was looked up like Japanese cult movies and my my basically my one rule is if it's like famous to the level of like Battle Royale I'm not going to cover it because I'd rather talk about something that hasn't been talked about very much and so this came up a whole lot and I bought blind bought it the DVD um uh, cause the, the, yeah, cause it only had like one DVD release and then it had a Blu-ray release from Arrow, I think last year. So, uh, so I, I was one of the cool kids who saw it before it got the Arrow treatment. Definitely. Yeah. I, I guarantee that, um, my former co-host Aaron, his ex-wife has probably seen this movie cause that's, I mean, that sounds like the kind of Japanese movie she would be into she's the one that got us to watch uh wild zero back in the day hmm yeah and uh yeah so i blind bought it i watched it the first time and i was like i don't i don't get it so i watched <laughs> it two more times well yeah uh, yeah because for my blog when i was more up to date i would watch movies twice just to make sure i got everything uh 
got most of it. And this was one I, I definitely need to watch twice. And it has grown on me. Uh, it's kind of sloppy in certain amateurish ways, but I think that's also kind of I, that's for me part of the appeal. Yeah, like the well, amateur like sloppiness to it. Yeah, it feels like guerrilla. It feels like uh, definitely independent filmmaking. Not not that much of a budget. Yeah, most most of the scenes we're dealing with like close ups on on people, especially when it comes to like action and stuff like that. We're not getting multiple shots. Uh, the the fighting isn't stylized or anything like that. And yeah, but like actors to call the people actors in this movie is um, it, it's being generous. Yeah, it's. Uh it's kind of like slice of life post-apocalyptic uh like 80s com like 80s hollywood comedy because the whole plot boils boils down to uh the rich people want to when are have a construction project and so they have to kick out all the kids and all the kids uh fight back yeah see i didn't even get that from the plot i mean i got the part with whatever they the gang where the leader is nice um, suddenly getting hired as work, you know, I guess they had that old contact and they start working for the construction company and then whatever happens like the main characters of this movie are either a band who don't do anything except for rebel <laughs> or those two people on a motorcycle who don't actually speak words yeah did you i mentioned before to you before there's a kurosawa connection to this movie mm. those two characters are uh do you remember the propaganda movie kurosawa did uh the men who tread on tiger's tail yes a little bit for sure so that's like a famous play in japan that's like the the Kurosawa version got got trashed by critics because it was like disrespecting the this classic Japanese uh, like play or something, and the two and so the two biker characters in Burst City are a like a feature like a sci-fi version of the two main characters, the prince and a bodyguard from the Men Who Tread on Tiger's Tail. Interesting, yeah. And, and I, I didn't get that at first. I, I when I was found like uh, I think Jasper Sharp wrote about it because he's like one of the experts with Japanese film. He's one. He's one who pointed out like that connection. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, there. Yeah, the relationship seems to be one is the protector, one is the innocent, the the most annoying innocent who just screams all the time until he comes down uh yeah. director of this movie is uh he's named uh for this particular series of or time period movies he is where does it say uh ishi sogo ishi sogo well osago ishi would be like the western way it like say it sogo right sogo and in the 2000s, he changed his name to Ishi Gakuya. Gakuya. Gakuyu? Sorry. Uh, Korya. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, Gakuria. he got me confused. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, he changed his name at some point in his career. Gakuryu. I'm so out of practice. We need to go back to freaking Kurosawa. I used I got good at this. Uh, I remember I, I when we first were doing Japanese movies, I was like, "Is it Zatoichi or is it Zat? Is that you know?" Like I didn't know how to pronounce it. But they have a particular way of handling that. Anyways, uh, the reason why he has two names, I'm not sure what the director's actual name is. I'm gonna click on this and see. Yeah, I'm oh, sure this is his actual name. The his, the new one. Oh, uh, born uh, Ishii Toshida Hiro. Oh. But hmm. for directing purposes, he's gone by Ishisogo and Ishigakuryu. <laughs> we'll go with that. Yeah. And that changed in the 2000s because uh, he was transitioning from the kind of movies like the um, one that we watched in Iper City hmm. and other things like that into more serious films. Starting in 2006, yeah. Yeah, I believe he is still making movies. He's not that, uh, not that, he's like middle aged, like 50s or 60s. Yeah, uh, born in 57, so maybe yeah. 60 something, yeah. yeah. Still active. Have you seen any of other stuff? No, it's hard to find. Um, some of the stuff I, I know some people who have, who have, somehow found them with good subtitles mm. but uh, it's either I can't find it at all or it's like iffy subtitles and there's one I found on a website that has a lot of movies you can download for free mm. uh, one of his 90s ones I haven't watched yet but I did download it a while ago uh, mm. Angel Dust I think is what it's called Angel Dust, yes, I see that. Based on popularity, apparently, uh, Burst City is his sixth most popular movie, uh, including short films on Letterboxd. Most popular is something called August in the Water, which I have now just added to my watch list. Not not important information, but... It's... You know, I just saw the new Cronenberg movie, Crimes mm-hmm. of the Future, and I... I enjoyed it in the sense that it was an interesting movie and I like the performances and, you know, visually, of course, Cronenberg does awesome stuff, but I walked away with it feeling like it's more of an interesting movie than it is a good movie. And that's kind of how I feel about Burst City too, because, well, I, I wasn't expecting a narrative just because the way it looked like, from the trailer that I saw. And um, it has a narrative in the sense that something happens and then as a result there is a reaction and things like that. But like, uh, like if you look at the Wikipedia plot summary, it's like, mm-hmm. I don't recognize what the hell they're talking about. Like, uh, the apparently the two, uh, the two kind of non-verbal characters I was talking about mm-hmm. were trying to hunt down the man that killed the younger weirdo's brother. 
uh, like how how do you get that from what we saw? I don't I don't know. I uh, knew they they were having flashes of like a specific person for some reason. It turned out to be like the head yakuza guy. But yeah, that might be another tie to the original like source material. It's it's referencing. Mm. But that's true. Yeah, because like that like that's the play that you know in Japan is huge, but over here like most people don't even know you know what it is. So I'm sure, like, like this feels very specifically Japanese in some ways. Like, those two characters, I feel like, you know, uh, someone who grew up in Japan, who went to you know school and everything, would probably have, like, the basic knowledge really, like, and, and pick up that, oh, this is a reference to that play that I had to read in school. Where for us, it's like, I don't fucking know. It's, it's, it's cool looking, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. I wonder how many American cinema does references like character wise to plays that I just completely go over my head because I'm not that familiar with American plays for the most part. Well, here it's like Shakespeare stuff all the time. There's like, yeah, there's fire Island that, uh, on Hulu, the it's, uh, pride and pride and prejudice, but, uh, it's, uh, you know, uh, fire Island it takes place on fire Island. So yes, they're all gay. Yep. Okay, cool. I haven't checked that out. Uh, Joel Kim Booster wrote it. He's he's Mm -hmm. really funny. Not familiar with his work either. Uh, He's on Trill. He's a much younger husband of the shitty boss. Oh, I haven't watched Trill because the name of the show is Trill, and that's not something I... (laughs) That's a a negative, uh, negative term. That's the. I know that's it's pur- purposely yeah. that way, but yeah. So Spencer, what, in your opinion, let's let's do a little sci-fi interview here, and I'm the. I apologize to anyone who's listening to this. I, my prep has been minimum. I have interviewed people before, but it's just. I'm I'm going to be working on this skill. Luckily, Spencer is here to be my uh, test test subject. In more ways than one. Don't say that. Did you drink that potion I sent you, by the way? No. No. Damn it. Okay, I gotta reset my timer. Uh, Science fiction. You've been on our podcast on several episodes before, when it was the three hosts. And uh, differing opinions, like usually things that you picked had um, a special appeal to you. What makes a good science fiction movie, in your opinion? Hmm. I think for me, a weird approach, uh, like a non-traditional weird approach, is number mm-hmm. one. Cause like stuff, like I pick, you know, Face of Another, which is a, a you know, a, a, a universal monster movie, more or less, mm-hmm. but done in like a very psychological, strange way, or. Uh, it's like weird approach or like kind of like a goofiness to it. Uh, I'm not really into like the more like super clean, uh, like feature aesthetic thing. I find it kind was, of. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I was thinking of the movie Interstellar and I was like, I bet Spencer would not like that movie. Uh, Christopher Nolan movies for me, like I like it the first time, but if I watch it a second time, it's just like it kind of falls apart, and 
I, I and I did a good chance I'm going to fall asleep because I then I will pay attention to the story and realize I really don't care about this <laughs> that much. Yeah. Like no. Tenet's, yeah, Tenet's pretty good, but it's also like it's like it's a super slick, super clean thing that like for me with science fiction I don't necessarily go for like the super slick. I I like a little uh, edge to it. The only one I ever go back to is the. Why do I always draw blanks on these things? The one with Leonardo DiCaprio and. Uh, Oh uh, yeah, um, Inception. Inception. Thank you. I was like uh, Tom Tom Hardy and uh, Lucas Haas is in the very beginning. What is his name? Elliot Elliot Page. That's what I was trying to think of. It's like I keep thinking of the dead name, which I don't want to say. Yeah, uh, yeah. I forgot they were in that. I don't yeah. remember them doing anything in it really, though. Yeah, Elliot Page is smooching with the or gets one smooch from. Uh, no, I can't remember his name. Third Rock from the Sun guy. Uh, uh, maybe I should just, like, let... Hold on, I'm going to open this valve on the side of my head. See if that... Nope, that didn't fix anything. Uh, yeah, super slick. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a huge fan of 2001 A Space mm-hmm. Odyssey. But that, like, aesthetic blandness of that future is like part of the narrative it's like these these are times where we think we have everything figured out and people are comfortable you know there's no mention of like poverty or anything like that i'm sure whatever's going on in the background but the fact is like we're going out of space feels like it's going to be totally normal and then what the hell happens you know yeah i i think i would blump uh I just lost the title in my head. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's a problem. Uh, Star Wars prequels, because I oh, only yeah. seen the first two, but they're like I even as a kid, like it just felt too too clean. It was it just wasn't interesting visually, even as like a child. I I I wasn't super into like the slick, clean future thing. Yeah, it's a representation of like. Once, once again, like the ruling class, so that's who we're following. We're following a princess and, or a queen, rather. We're following a queen, a queen, and these like knights that have access to super clean material, like these armies on a planet that seems to be rich. If there's, yeah. Um, I wonder what kind of vehicle Elon Sleesbagno drives. <laughs> uh, I forgot that's a character's name. <laughs> Oh yeah, same same actor as Mouse from The Matrix. That guy, he. Uh, no, no, <laughs> what do we got? A cat or a dog? Wednesday, the the cat wants to hang out now. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, uh, I I was thinking of this movie, Burst City, in comparison to my like number one favorite movie of all time right now, Repo Man. Because it's a which, punk movie. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, Repo Man's plot, ex, like it, compared to this movie, it has a plot, but well, it's still has a plot. The the mob, the uh, yakuza, uh, the one want to make a power plant, and um, yes. they have to tear down the place where all the youth uh, hang out. 
and the youth fight back. See, I didn't even, I didn't get that. Like, I, I knew they were, te- I thought they were just tearing down the base of those, the, whatever that other gang is. It's really uh, a showcase, like, as, as Corners movies is a showcase of, when it, it feels like, well, uh, showing off, like, these are the cool new punk bands, because the, the band that wears red, that was the, they, they're called the Stalins, they were a real band, are a real band, and the other band, the one who survives, it's a combination of two real life bands, the Rockers and the Roosters. Oh, yeah. Let's see. Yeah, once again, punk music. And uh, Repo Man had actors who were actually just punk musicians in it. Yeah. And this this one, like, yeah, these guys do a pretty good job. Like, I would compare... Um, it's the ro- the combo rockers and roosters that we hang out with that mm-hmm. are like... Yeah, just- the movie, they're, the band is called the Battle Rockers, but in real life, it's half... Uh, the, those, those, those two bands mesh together. So the Battle Rockers, I was going to say, remind him, have you ever seen um, the Beatles movie Not Help? Wait. What is uh, the other Beatles movie? God. So much for professionalism. Yeah. Uh, I've only seen parts of Yell Submarine, but uh, I just remember the song, and that's about it. Yeah, that's not the one. <laughs> Hard Day's Night is the one I'm thinking of. These, uh, you know, that's like a absurdist <laughs> version of the Beatles' life, and they all live in like one house together. And that's what I was thinking of with the this band, you know, all yeah. standing on their head or rustling on the couch. Like, give me, give me some more of the. Slightly homoerotic imagery, please. Why not? Yeah. Did you notice the Beatles poster in the beginning? Yes, and somebody like steps on it, right? Yeah. Yeah, that'll teach you. <laughs> yeah, that that that's that's really showing you, like, you know, th- this ain't you know your this is, this ain't your daddy's rock and roll. This is punk music. Yeah. Yeah, we're over that time period, and this is what we think of it. Old music is dead. Old life is dead. All those rich people, they're old. They don't belong anymore. Yeah. Like, in my review that I did, because my, my notes are just on the review, because that... I, I can't find my old notebook where I kept everything. Uh, in essence, like, uh, at the time, I thought this was basically evoking, like, the post-war movie, like, mm. uh, Gay of Flash, Black River, stuff yeah. like that. Uh, just like giving it a new, you know, an, like a new coat of paint. Just instead of it being like depressing, like uh, uh, the American occupation is ruining everything type of plot. It's like, what if it's like hi- hyper energetic punk stuff with that, uh, the sensibility of, you know, like the classic Japanese cinema? Yeah. What if instead of people who not fitting in, inevitably dying of starvation or whatever that they actually got up and fought back and made loud noises to show that like we don't give a flying fuck uh, I'm still going to believe the curse words just in case you were wondering <laughs> but uh, that's, d- don't uh, prevent yourself from saying anything okay. you feel like it yeah and they're uh, the Yakuza 
stand out in a way compared to these other people living, you know, barren and not being, not having very much food to spare and things like that. And like they've got their clean suits, they got their nice cars, they can afford prostitutes that they can torture. You know, yeah. they don't wear makeup. That's how you know they're square. That's that's super upsetting because I really like that guy mm-hmm. in the beginning when they were having they were going to have their super car race. I think he's mm-hmm. Super Speeders or something was the name of the band or the uh, gang. Yeah, and uh, he gets out, and takes off his glasses, and he's got like the David Bowie mm-hmm. almost, but with super shininess, and <laughs> he's trying to show off. And the the girl is like, "Yeah, that's great." Like he does look cool. Yeah, I forgot how queer this movie was. Like, there there's a, a queer vibe to it, and plus, like, this everyone, like, all the cool people are wearing makeup regardless of male or female, and, like, the dudes are, like, just as glammed up, and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, I I didn't realize just, like, how equal opportunity, like, you know, like, like yeah, punk is punk, like, it has no gender, it's just, you know. Right. And like outside of the Yakuza stuff, it it's devoid of like sexual anything. Like these people just like they exist, they rock. There's no like women here, men there. I mean, there's not really a woman main character except for the prostitute, unfortunately, if like I had to like complain about something. But I don't think um well, it's it's hard to say. I would I would rather have a woman's perspective on that character than try to come up with my own interpretation of what's good and bad. Yeah, I mean, it's it feels this like because this was two years after Ishii graduated from his university, and his first movie he made as like it was an extension of his final project to graduate and this feels like him experimenting with like seeing what he can do with a movie in a bigger budget and and it kind of like the the black moon thing of like it's kind of sloppy and amateurish except the difference here is like black moon was like 20 years into mall like louis mall's career which kind of makes mm-hmm. it really strange that he would do that 20 years in we're here it's like this is very early so it's like it like i feel like there's more of a not excuse but like it 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 makes more sense uh at least to me it makes more sense like to do something like this that's sloppy and and and, un, and uneven and kind of confusing super early just to just to see like what you can do yeah uh, allow yourself to experiment before you get caught in a machine and money becomes more important because of investors and things like that. Yeah. And, and like uh, you, you mentioned, co- Oh, you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. this is independent movie. It's, it's kind of a mix of independent and studio Toei, the, like one of the biggest studios in Japan, they, they were the, the distributors for this. But, uh, I believe the, like the production part came from, uh, more uh, smaller pl- smaller sources, so it's kind of in between independent and studio. That's good. I mean, they they saw something there and distributed it, or you know they had a contract. But either way, the fact that they released it feels like uh, 
they found something good in it. And looking at some of these reception notes on Wikipedia, the only source for information on the internet. And uh, let's see, this uh, Todd, Todd Brown of Screen Anarchy argued that while Burr City is clearly a watershed film, it stands up better as a cultural document than as a film per se. I, I don't agree necessarily with that, but it, like calling it a cultural document, that's that definitely hits at home because you know you just captured this one moment of society on the youth side that uh, i i figure people over a certain age just have no connection to like not going to understand what their kids are into if they are into this kind of thing like that and it didn't last forever you know it's it's like when i think of the the characters in bill and ted's excellent adventure it's like that was kind of just like a three to four year moment where people were like, "Uh, whoa, bro!" You know, the the surfer stereotype, if you will. And mm-hmm, yeah. it, I like it that way. Yeah, that's, that's the way. Yeah, that's the way that you were saying the uh, the post war movies feel. It's like this is a moment. We're seeing yeah, here like history. That's the whole. That's the yeah, that's the whole subgenre where I'm sure there are more punk movies from from Japan at this time. It's just issue of uh what gets released over here here. yeah yeah there's a whole whole ton of movies that are just like out of reach like japan italy spain can i I have them please like oh you're gonna send over another classic from england huh okay thank you the um i guess the 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 box that you got me of like the gangster movies from like the 50s and 60s the the japanese gangster movies there were like uh i think 80 or 90 of those movies made per year from the late 50s to like the late 60s and so we're missing you know 700 of them maybe like we're missing like literally hundreds of those movies over here yeah, uh, what company was that? Uh, Nikatsu. Nikatsu. Oh no, no, I meant, I meant, who released the Diamond Guys oh. collection? Uh, Arrow. I want to say. I feel like it was something else, but Arrow. I mean, Arrow. Arrow's obviously releasing stuff like the the specialty labels. Uh, you know, if Nikatsu had its own company, like its own. American producing company here that would that would be amazing if we get all yeah. their stuff there is, but of course that's they, that's a pipe dream yeah some of them have their streaming own streaming services I think Toei has one but mm-hmm. it's Japan only and so there's a whole bunch of stuff that uh, you can stream that's that has never seen a lion day over here but you have to be in Japan and you know probably no Japanese because I had assumed they there won't be subtitles that's what a VPN is for. I could be anywhere I want. <laughs> so, uh, when it comes to science fiction, and this particular movie, we're talking Burst City, 1982. I don't know why I have to remind somebody that this is not a radio show. <laughs> Post-apocalyptic is, like, the word that comes to mind, but that's not that's not correct, because there's not an apocalypse. Uh, apocalypse. Sort of? Well, uh, like the... Uh 
all you know is something happened that like to force like all these young people to like live in this broken down place and you don't know what happened you just know there's this something happened and yeah. uh and like the the main like indicator of future stuff for me is the the cops that show up at the end with like the rocket 100%. launchers looking like stormtroopers yep like like it yep. both 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 means <clears throat> like the nazi ones and the star wars ones yep both looking pretty cool and uh, I, as an American, I was struck by the lack of guns for the most part in these movies. And then I was like, oh, wait, Japan, strict yeah. gun laws, much better than what we have there. Dystopian is what Wikipedia calls it. That's that's pretty good. Dystopian, at least just one. You know, we don't know what's going on in the rest of the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's like. It's it's so it's kind of like sci-fi in a way, like um, Stalker is sci-fi, where it's like I can't explain why it is, but it is. Yes, that is a good example. Another movie with a narrative, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> no, it does. It yeah, has like, something. Yeah, like one of the things I love about Burst City uh, is just the editing, because it with each. Uh, like subset of characters that the editing style changes and so like it's the first viewing for me I was just like I, I didn't I was just I didn't know what was happening and then the, the more I watched it the more I realized okay so with like the Yakuza guys it's more traditional like uh, style of editing and then you have to with the bands and when you have performances it's just super chaotic the camera's constantly moving type of thing and then you have like full on just like music videos and so so it's also kind of like a musical too yes that i mean that opening dance sequence when they're that see that that song actually kind of threw me off like i i thought that maybe these people were rebelling against society because they were talking about like well we have everything we could need you know and uh it's boring we don't want that and I was like, "That's a cool. That's a cool concept." Yeah. Because that's that's not only about like how. I mean, it's. I don't believe that if people had access to housing and food and and water and you know the ability to purchase things without having to worry about ending up on the street or owing somebody a large amount of money, is going to equal a boring lifetime. But I I do like the idea that punk idiot kids, <laughs> 20-year-olds or whatever, too, would be like, hey, you know what? This sucks. We should go do some violence. <laughs> Music's not loud enough. Uh, I vibe with that. I also vibed with the part where the band in two different positions one mm-hmm. one working or a couple working as auto mechanics and the other working in some sort of plant are both like fuck you we don't need this job <laughs> we're too artistic for <laughs> yeah that's how I'm, I quit my last job just to let you know uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure Alex Cox has seen this movie oh yeah yeah definitely what was Repo Man I think it was 84 uh, I just watched it with my nephew the other day 
And I did not disown him, so that means he liked it. Oh, okay. Repo Man. Why don't I know my favorite movie? 84, yep. Yeah. Could see that inspiration. And uh, the the punk scene, I wonder... Hmm. I mean, Sid and Nancy came out before Repo Man, I think. Nope. 1986. And, oh, okay, punk scene January 1978. That was just going all over the place at the same time. I, I wonder how many music or even cultural revolutions or moments just reach as far as, like, Japan, America, Europe, all these other places all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh... uh Hmm. Like this is a movie that I find hard to talk about because so much of it is just the visceral visuals of it, and it's like a character doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, it's it's a story doesn't really matter. It's just about the attitude and style, and it has this feel of like yeah, Ishii likes these bands, and so he wanted a. a a, a like a, a way to show off like this is these are bands I like and I want to give them a platform. Yep. I mean, it, it turned out to be a message movie. It's definitely anti, you know, capitalist or or whatever. I'd have yeah. to say. Yeah, like, uh, uh yeah, cause like, uh, well, first off, like, like I was going through some old reviews and a common thing that I forgot I that I always noticed was uh Yakuza uh stuff always always like leans into like right wing and conservative politics mm-hmm. and a big reason why like Japan what Japan is like politically kind of strange uh I like like, like every other country but uh the Yakuza are part of reason that uh the, like they are politically the way they are because they put in a lot of money and have a lot of influence over the politics and so having like the Yakuza you know fight back against these kids who just you know uh, who hate capitalism and all that like it's it it's a it's kind of a thing that like if you know like the cultural uh, like position that Yakuza have politically then kind of like it fills in the details like this movie kind of forces you to do homework, which like I remember this one taking me a little long, a little longer than usual to actually write because the research into it was just like I kind of need to do it like a deep dive into it's like uh like punk and uh, yakuza and like pol in Japanese politics of the seventies and eighties just to like understand what this is referencing because they're. Because there are just things where it's like I I just don't uh like still I, I still like don't really get don't I don't fully get all of it and I know like there are things that are directly like referencing or like uh commenting on like political things of the era that like we will probably never really fully get. Mm-hmm. See, I like um something I let go of 
I don't I don't know when that happened. It was like not caring if a movie has a you know a plot or some it doesn't have to make sense to me anymore. Like I I was talking to somebody online that uh, was like I like movies, let's talk and they were like I didn't like anything everywhere all at once because it didn't make any sense to me. And I was like, first, I didn't say this, but I wanted to say, first of all, the plot is pretty obvious. Second of all, it doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense. Like, what'd you think? What'd you feel? You know, the, like an interpretation of art is, is more important to me than like what's actually going on with a movie. Like, and uh, this, this kind of stuff, like, yeah, if I wanted to like figure out all the nuances like like you're talking about mm-hmm. i'm sure we can get down to some really like this is what this represents and this person is actually this person you know in history or whatever like we were talking about the yeah. men who yeah. step on tiger or tread on tiger's tails yeah like the thing is like when i write about when i write for the site uh trailhouse 701 japanese cult cinema i Thank you. try to um you know, get a context for the time and era and stuff on stuff like that, and and this this was a movie where like I can't talk about plot and characters, so I kind of have to fill in with other stuff. Yep. Where other times yeah, that makes I, sense. I, I other times I can kind of ignore the political background, cultural background. This is like there is no story, there are is no characters. Uh, I can't write about music for very long, so I kind of needed to film the the background and uh, you know that type of stuff. And frankly, I was surprised by the end that there was like, oh, we're all coming together with the same purpose because it, like the two timelines, technically, I I would even say there are three because the Kusa has their own story that's going on. That that one guy who is the pimp for the woman I was talking about, you know, mm. he, he knows some of the gang members. He seems almost friendly with the punks to, like to service them. But, you know, it, in it's revealed, like he's like, no, I'm totally on the accuses, the Yakuza side, you know, the, the, this whole thing. I knew we were planting a trap this whole time. And then, you know, when something inevitably terrible happens to his, uh, his woman, hmm. You get this long emotional scene after killing the guy responsible, this this sadist responsible, and then just like him crying and holding on to her dead body, uh, which like <laughs> I feel the, it, it's kind of awkward because you can see that the actress is like desperately trying to cover her breasts the entire time, and he's just like moving. Uh, with his legs like hitting a wall and his arm like yeah also staying much above her breastbone like more in the neck area so that he's not accidentally touching anything and yeah I, f- I, I, the, the whole that's a plot i was worried because like a, a major thing that shows up in a lot of like the lower budget more exploitation japanese stuff is rape yeah. they sure love to use it and it's a thing that i know to expect and my start was like, oh, I I hope I didn't make Joel see a gross rape scene because in case there was one, <laughs> and I appreciate uh, it. luckily there wasn't one, and uh, yeah, 
I was, yeah. I, I was really worried, like, because uh, uh, there's uh, something. What things are like th- moves like this? There's always something. that's like something I'm used to. It's like, oh, I sure. Sometimes I should warn you about. And this time, I was like, should I have warned him about anything in this? But uh, nothing. No, yeah, I didn't find anything offensive. Uh, the, um, to go back to this guy wrestling with the, his dead lover or whatever is going on, that scene goes on for minutes of him just crying, holding, like maybe it's only a minute and a half, but it felt like a, a much longer time than you would expect to go on. And there were a couple of different scenes where it's just like, well, maybe we need to cut or something like that. But I, I appreciate that like almost realist touch to it like not going away from fights going on or performances or just idiots these these kind of idiotic but awesome uh punk rockers talking to each other about crap like the uh the fights that they have with each other in their house on that couch thing it's like okay we're still going we're still going we're still going <laughs> yeah, it's like it all is- right because it, it, it both it adds like uh, uh, it adds a humanity because they're not those cardboard cutouts they're, they're not characters either but it does add enough humanity of like okay these are actually our people and like that's yeah. kind of the weird rawness of it where it's like it just could have been cut down maybe like 20 minutes 30 minutes because there's also a lot of like this scene is going on for like an extra three to five minutes and uh, I, I forgot just how much it happened, but uh, it's a thing where it's like I can't imagine this not working for some people because like it's kind of like plotless, listless. It, it's you know, there. It, I think it starts out where it's like, oh, there's gonna be a plot, and then it pivots into like, no, not really. Yeah. It's it's just like uh, a two-hour music video, kind yeah. of. The, the plot's all on the non-punk rockers side. Like, if you re- really, you know, the, the punk rockers, yes, eventually end up as part of the main plot because the police show up a couple of times and then finally they bring in, you know, the, the riot squad and that the real battle starts happening. Like, people getting shot. <laughs> that guy ca- catching on fire. <laughs> I love a guy catching on fire. Yeah. yeah, and then then the two plots smash up, and it, like I had to like at that time I was like, do these guys even know each other? I guess they don't really care. They just know that they have to beat up the same people because you know they're trying to repress their lives. Yeah, it's but, like yeah, the, like the message is like you know rebel against you know the the forces that oppress you, and. uh yeah, like, and I think I got where did I put it? Uh, put like something in in the review. Uh, first off, the review I should probably go back and read it. It's not the like pretty much like the first year or so. I don't like. I should go back and read it. They're not they're, they're not good in my opinion. Uh, from a just, grammar perspective, just write a secondary review that uh, references the first review. Uh, that's that's what I work. say. Yes, <laughs> but by, by I, like I like I in it I put like this is like re- political rebellion in its purest form, in its purest most angry form, because like this movie is just like 
uh, like strip out story to replace it with just like raw emotion and not not anger suddenly just like emotion yep yep the the punker side is just against everything normality anything banal and lame they want nothing to do with it and then the other side that is more like road warrior going on (laughs) these guys are you know they look tough but for the most part they they're peaceful amongst each other you know they they when uh the two motorcycle guys show up at first everybody's like ah these guys are crazy we need to get rid of them and then here comes the leader and he's like we don't fight amongst our gang and you're welcome to be here you're yeah, safe those here. guys and it's like those guys were were workers that were fired from something so like the whole like the people fighting back are the lower class and the people like you kind of exactly. mentioned earlier, the people who are the villains are the upper class. Right. I almost feel like the punk rockers wouldn't even have known about that because like, a, like the song says they they, they know about this life of privilege and, and being able to just live and be as long as you follow the rules of this normal expected life, Yakuza related or not. And then when eventually everything gets smashed together towards the end, that the real violence starts to happen at the end. Like everything up until then has been people like casually beating up each other, but you know, suddenly the blades are out and occasional gun. It's a uh, you know that's that's brings it all home. Yeah, they have like the the riot cops have like these weird rocket launchers. It looks like something yeah, from really Quake. Dug those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they were, uh, what is it called, the BFG? I think that's Doom, though. Yeah, but the BFG is more like a like a beefier, like, uh, over-shoulder type of thing, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. At least a new, newer one, it's like, uh, not like a slick, like, rifle type thing. Like, this is like a full-on, like, like Buck Rogers, Star Wars looking thing. They're, they're, uh, like, they're shooting in, yep. at the end of Brand the movie. Brand new sh- shiny white uniforms you know they they look intimidating they're standing on there but that doesn't stop you know once they start fighting back people are pulling them down getting their uh their weapons and the the smiling policemen like they're enjoying beating the craps out of crap the craps beating the crap out of these people (laughs) and like that i think that for me is the most memorable part when that policeman is just smiling at one of the punk rockers and the punk rocker slowly starts to smile back at him it's like yeah i'm into this too so get ready to get fucked up yeah is this the movie uh since your nephew sounds like he he liked repo man would you show this to your nephew or recommend it uh, my nephew Sam is very—he's very cool. He's—he would be open to seeing that. Um, I'm not sure that he would necessarily think it was good, but he would definitely say, "I appreciate what was going on there." That's—that's that's the things that he—he he will say when it's like, like it's not for me, but I think it's pretty cool, anyways. Yeah, like like I'm not sure if you've listened to Conan's podcast, but he uh, revealed his tell for when he didn't like something. Mm. Uh. And the the tell is he always say people are loving this and that and the 
that's his way of not expressing <laughs> an opinion of whatever the person's talking about. Complimenting their work, but not because it, he liked it. I mean, that's yeah. that's the way I feel about some of those movies that just like never clicked with me. I can't. I used to have like this list of things, and then then I just got rid of it because like who who needs to remember feeling alienated because they didn't understand why everybody else liked something. Mm. Opinions and taste, they're unique. They're like fingerprints. Nobody has exactly the same taste. And if you think you do, guess what? That person's lying to you. Yeah. Uh, I like the detail of uh, the Battle Rockers, their little bombed-out house that one of them... That has like a, I guess a sex doll mannequin that he uh, is is very close to because he brushes her teeth at one point. Yep, which was carries her around. Yeah, which was very gross. Uh, that's that's the, that's the worst part of the whole movie to me. Besides, like the uh, prostitute um, sex worker subplot, but it's like the that's just gross. Don't don't brush your teeth of like a of like something that, something you're gonna put in your back in your mouth. But but he loves it. Yeah, it's, it's not, it's not as, a sexual relationship. It's romantic. <laughs> it's almost as gross as Gunnar and Hess with the uh, toothbrush in the bathtub. Okay, that's just. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's. Uh, it's intimidating. Yeah. Uh, maybe and, it's maybe it's normal in Japan. <laughs> it could be. Uh, in, in Lars, in Lars and a Real Girl, does he brush her teeth too? I don't remember. the The only time I saw Lars and the Real Girl was in a very weird situation. Um, me and my ex were over visiting one of her friends who was babysitting, and that's in quotation marks. This girl who was like fourteen or fifteen, but hmm. she was on the spectrum, and we all watched it together for some mm. reason and then when we were done the girl was like that was the stupidest thing i've ever seen and she she had a she had a big angry reaction me and mm. sarah just like uh hmm. <laughs> so that's kind of got mm. blocked out because of that oh and i mm. no commentary on the girl like she can't help how she's feeling like when when you have uh uh this is, you know when when your brain's like that like my brain is like that you you get super intense reactions and sometimes you just got to let it out hmm, yeah but this movie did not make me cry unfortunately nah uh the there's a little moment uh cause like there like there are always like these little moments of like of like this is what the movie is about <laughs> where like there's a one part where the the band they're watching tv and like the cop or something on TV says, well, all the youth violence is caused by their, the violent entertainment that they watch. Mm. And it's, yeah, it, it's, it's literally a blink and you miss it. Like it's maybe a couple seconds, but it's a, a very telling thing of like, okay, like, uh, cause like going back to, we, and in our other show, we did an episode talking about the movie black moon, which is kind of similar or not. Like it's, uh, it's all a bunch of mishmash of ideas that that it's not really clear what it's trying to go for. And this movie kind of has that same feel, but 
you know what the message is. It's it's clear, but it still is done in like kind of a experimental way where Black Moon is like I I cannot I can't tell you what the movie is. It, it's pretty to look at, but uh, it, but not much else. But uh, Birth City is very much like it's sloppy and kind of like amateurish, exp- like uh, like a uh, like a like a two-hour music video. But you know what the message is. You know what the point of it is. It's it's very clear. Yeah, and it's it's exciting. Like no matter what. You get get into the music, you get into the style, that kind of things like that. Like you, the the rest of it can kind of go to the side, anyways. Yeah, if if we want to talk about Black Moon, because you keep bringing it up, I, I, I know that movie stinks of intention to me. Like everything was planned right. out, every I, action, every acting style and shot and stuff like that, which makes for a very nice looking movie and for some people it absolutely clicks but for me I'm, I'm like i don't know is the director just beaten off and and we're seeing the results yeah. uh, i don't get the, don't that know. feeling with this movie you know i don't feel like the director was like i'm really gonna say something like i i think he just wanted to make a cool movie that also said a little bit yeah yeah i guess i mean like uh i remember last when I did record with uh, Heather Drain talking about Salon Kitty and like Tinto Brass. She said like uh, like there's like there's a style of like filming sexuality nudity where it's like hands in your pants style directing, and it's like oh Spike Lee. Yeah, that's like the prime example of that. <laughs> and like a uh, Black Moon guy has that like hand like hand in hand in his pants type of like style of like directing. Mm. Is that because they're looking for loose change? I don't uh, know. I, I assume you're talking about basically the same thing without the dirty words. Yes. Ah. I, I think you would agree I, Spike Lee falls to that category. He certainly has some movies where it seems like, like, I want you to know exactly what I'm saying. But, you know, it's Spike Lee. It, yeah, it's hard sometimes. not to, yeah. to want to, you know, pick him up and take him to the park or whatever he needs yeah but then the stuff like the lesbians and the way he, he handles sex in movies it's it's not the most nuanced or best way in my opinion yeah women for the most part like you start started off with we're gonna get a spike lee here start yeah. starting off with the she's gotta have it start and, good uh, start and then just never got better yeah well, like, got, no, wonder, it got worse. <laughs> he had like nuance, you know. I don't know if he had women that were actually telling him what would work and what wouldn't work back then. But at a certain point, it was just like, well, I know what I'm doing. I'm and he sure. still, yeah, yeah, still makes amazing films on occasion. But hmm. yeah. Anyway. Speaking of problematic directors, we're going to talk about 2001 again. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, so, so um, what? Yes. So, uh, is Birth City a type of movie you would that like like you can give a star rating to, like a not like a, or is it just like or or is it for you more of a like, this is a cool idea, but I but I can't really rate it exactly. 
the more I watch movies that I think, once again, fall into the in- interesting category instead of the good or bad category, the harder it is for me to, like, come up with a star rating. Like, when, when I put a star rating on my letterbox account, it's not for the purpose of other people being like, well, well Joel gave it one star. I guess I'm not going to watch it. It's for the purpose of me going, oh, what do I think about that movie? Oh, one star? Yeah, fuck that movie. <laughs> like, it, for me, like, I have some things that are, like, people, like, I know for a fact are really into you know we just watched the leopard for the mm-hmm. shoot the piano player podcast and our, our guest you know was into the movie and but he was the the great thing about our our guest martin um that was martin right Gessler. yes okay i thought i lost you uh no. is that he's willing to go with the flow on whatever direction the you know the podcast is is going with but you could i could tell he picked it because you know he liked it it's an important movie and I'm, i wouldn't disagree with that but on my letterbox it's two stars for me because it, frankly my my attention deficit disorder was just like ah, they're gonna sit in this room and talk again huh what's on the phone <laughs> oh interesting where's the to on <laughs> yeah yeah and when he does show up it's yeah, like where, not, where's not Terrence Hill? More I want to say young. Yeah, where's where's young Terrence Hill? He's <laughs> right in front of you the whole time. Yeah. Oh wait, no, he isn't. Wait, he's the, he's the friend, right? Yeah, he's a friend. Yeah, he doesn't do doesn't do anything hilarious. You know, he's not. No. And he doesn't he's play just there a, to, a cowboy. Just, just there to be like handsome. Yeah. And that's about it. There's no disco super trooper song. No. See previous episode, uh, Super Fuzz. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you? Well, uh, of all the like the different subplots and aspects of Burst City, uh, what do you like the most? I like how you're interviewing me. Uh, <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Thank you for this holding is, up the okay. end of the conversation. I mean, this is the, uh, this is a movie that's like. It's more, it's more of an ex- like this sounds pretentious, but it's more of an experience than like a proper, like, story. Yeah. So th- this also had ADHD problems for me after the first hour because basically the first hour is just mostly like setting. Like you see the kind of lives that the the punks are living in. You see the kind of lives that the ro- road warrior gang lives in stuff like that and you know get little peeks in how the yakuza is just gross but mostly no yakuza i'd say in the first hour just the guy with the once again with his prostitute and or a sex worker i should say and uh, a couple of the assholes that are like checking out the scene because they want to know like why or what they have to do in order to i guess knock down the area so that they could build this power plant. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't like I was completely out of it when I did start to get, feel a little bit like kind of, kind of interested in doing something else thing. It's, but 
yeah, the the second hour, things start ramping up. You know, the characters get to do things like as much as characters exist in here. When um, the Yakuza starts signing up all those guys for working on their plant, and like you see the the um, tougher of the motorcycle duo, like he can't speak. So when he gets up to the front of the line, and they're they're signing these documents in blood with like a fingerprint it's pretty funny because one of the guys is like (laughs) i don't want to prick my finger or whatever he's he gets up to the table and he's like ah and they're like what the what the hell is this guy's problem you know boss man has to come over and be like oh uh sorry sorry he's 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 gonna work he's fine he's just you know not necessarily okay in the head but i trust me you know he's we're gonna take care of it he's gonna be fine and that ends up being like set up for when they get betrayed thank god that guy was there because they're spraying everybody with a hose and this this is another moment where it's like we're just going to keep watching this guy get hosed because mr tough nonverbal guy getting sprayed directly into his armor and in slow-mo and just like yelling at the screen we can't hear his yell because i think there's music going on Mm mm-hmm and then he just like goes up to you know the Yakuza think they're safe they think there was no way that anything bad was going to happen because uh they're the Yakuza and he just like rips the side of the wall off and everybody pours in there and oh there goes them they mostly dead yeah it's uh well um do you uh I- do you appreciate well i don't know about you but uh i like how low budget the armor is because like he's supposed to be like this badass future warrior and just looks like tinfoil <laughs> but i really liked the uh like the low-tech future uh thing because it kind of it, it fits into the aesthetic and this it, it just looks like amusing to me yeah besides him like uh, there are other people that you know the punks are naturally wearing their spikes and things like that that kind of looks a little bit road warrior once again and that but the all these uh forced retired workers <laughs> have mm-hmm. armor and there's that one guy who has the robot hand that he's oh, using yeah. to smoke <laughs> like oh this is the future <laughs> yeah it feels like uh like a less gross version of um Tetsuo aesthetically I was going to say that uh, I haven't seen the whole Tetsuo the Iron Man because I got disturbed yeah that, uh, that, that yeah it's it's a disturbing movie yeah I'll have to give it another chance I'm a little bit uh, less squeamish than I was but uh, yeah like the like this dirty sense and metal and rust and like living living amongst those things you know it, it, it doesn't they're not afraid of getting hurt and they, it's just normal for them uh, uh yeah I don't, I don't know what i was saying there, i guess the in tetsuo there are like close-ups and we're focusing on one thing because like if you were to pull out the camera you'd see people standing behind doing things or stuff like that like the the reaction shots are more important from the actors than you know continuing to show environment or 
getting cool shots of action. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So uh, it, altogether, I'd say it works. Yeah. Uh, I would say overall, I love this movie. It's just like it's it's never grown grown on me over the past few years, and uh, it definitely is something that I'm glad it's streaming now. Because when I got the DVD, there was, I think it was you had to get the DVD or like get a torrent of it because that otherwise that that was pretty much it and uh thank god for arrow for bringing this over yep i hope to live until i'm in my 80s because maybe by then we'll have some more interesting stuff (laughs) it's like the longer i live the more chances that uh, one of the uh, specialty labels is going to release something that's going to be like oh wow i'm so glad i get to see this Never have the opportunity to live close enough to a place where I can just, like, go see a film film reel or something. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, like, like, like I just said, this is now, as of now, Burst City is streaming. It might be on the app streaming thing for uh, uh, Arrow. Arrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? I don't even know if that's available for the U.S. The Arrow one? Yeah, uh, I had it briefly. Then I, I didn't never used it, so I, I uh, stopped using it. Okay, I rented it on YouTube, and it was fine. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, no problems with the, like it, it it was put up by Arrow on YouTube. There there is also a, it looks like somebody's put the entire movie up there. Uh, I would assume illegally at this point, illegal. But uh, if you wanted to watch it for free, the the full movie is on YouTube there too. But I recommend you pay the three ninety nine for the HD version just to support that kind of film. You know? Yeah. And the Arrow Blu-ray has a commentary from Tom Mez. He's uh, he and Jasper Sharp are like the go-to experts for Japanese cinema in the West at this point. Uh, it's well, and Christie, although Christie isn't uh, as active as he as he was before, but Tomez wrote the book about for Arrow the book about um, Meiko Kaji, mm. a book that uh, I mostly like, but he he uh, completely downplays the other actresses she uh, was uh, she worked with, who did like the. Like other, who also did like the kind of the sleazier movies too, and it's just kind of like, okay, she did those movies too. You can't just downplay the other women who was doing it, doing the same thing. But <laughs> besides him just downplaying that, uh, it's a good book, and um, I think he's written like two books on uh, Takashi Miike, and it's a really fascinating dude. It's cool. Yeah. Looking at Arrow Videos stuff right now. I used to have a problem with this. I need to stop looking at... Ooh, that's on sale. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah if I remember correctly, I think he was friends with of a director of Battle Royale and Battles with the Honor Humanity. And he's yeah. like the only Caucasian person at his funeral. Oh. Uh-huh. I think it was Tom Mads I'm thinking of, but I might be wrong. That's cool. 
I mean, that's, I can't imagine having that relationship with somebody that, you know, I had so much respect for and they actually like knew me. That, that would be amazing. I mean, I have, I have so much respect for you, Spencer, but you're mm-hmm. not famous. So, you know, yeah. just to let you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty aware. You're right. It was Arrow Video because they also released the Stray Cat Rock Collection, which is what broke up my relationship. Just kidding. So uh, we've we've been talking for (laughs) we've been talking for about an hour, but I still want to get some more sci-fi opinions out of you. So let's leave Burst City. Do you, um, if you had like pick like some movies that you think are ones that you love that you think other people should see like i don't want to put you on the spot should have should have given you these questions beforehand but like i said i'm kind of winging it um, do you have any any clues you can lead us on Hmm. as in like similar to this in general similar to that but like specifically science fiction aimed yeah, because like the vague science fiction angle, I guess like Repo Man yeah. uh, is the obvious one. Um, Stalker, I guess, because it ha- it's also that like it's science fiction, but you can't explain why it is. Angle, right. uh, Tetsuo being a big one. Uh, I was thinking of one earlier today that's like kind of a no, I was going to say Get Crazy, but Get Crazy doesn't, I won't say, count as um, <laughs> science fiction. Mm. It, it, it's like a, it's a really silly... Uh, it might be an, on YouTube in full still. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a really funny movie that... Uh, uh, I, I don't know. It, it, uh, it's a guy who Rock and Roll High School. It's uh, one of his oh. movies. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, the only one I would add is uh, previous episode Wild Zero. Have you seen that one, Spencer? Um, no, it's been on my list for a while. Oh, it's all. I mean, that that's rock and roll, sci-fi, and uh, is it a music? Kind of a musical too. Kind of a musical. I mean, it stars once again a band. Uh, main guy's name is Guitar Wolf, I believe. And uh, you know, it's, it's more of a like hard rock. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's still got you know it's got the attitude of like uh, we're awesome. So what the hell are you doing? That's the thing where the, like the, I've seen a screenshot. It's like uh, love has no gender or boundaries. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, yes. That's another reason why it's really good. It's because it's just you know it's it's got somebody who is I don't want to say transgender. I don't I don't want to assume anything about them. But like it's a it's a love story between. A guy who is, you know, one of those like pompadour, slick hair people that <laughs> are always in Japanese anime, and a, a, yeah. a person who identifies as—I I, want to say—they identify as a woman, but they you know, were biologically a man, and like it's like. Is this an issue? No. It's got that amazing line. It's got that amazing romance. Like, it's from 1999, and I I feel like that's pretty advanced, at least in terms of like where American politics were. 
But oh yeah, I don't uh, know about Japan. Uh, I don't. I I don't know enough like Japan Japanese history to really properly speak on that ty- that type of subject. Well, why the hell are you on this now? Like the closest I can get would probably be like the uh, a film Prayer Roses, because mm. that is, I, I guess you would say transgender now. But at the time, uh, they use, use different terminology, right? And uh, words yeah, we don't use anymore. Yeah, it, it's kind of murky in that way. Where it's like I don't know how to. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, that's what I was trying to think of. Uh, Film Prayer Roses, although that's not really science fiction either. Right. It has like a similar uh, chaotic feel to it. It's kind of a fantasy type thing, right? Like at least uh, based on the shots that I've seen. Sort of, and yeah. it and it plays with the format of film and like halfway through the movie, uh, like like there are parts where like it it will like pan out and then suddenly it's the film crew filming the scene and they interview the star of the movie who was the the jester and ran the kurosawa movie uh the uh, and ran i believe he's playing so he's playing a man but he's piper feminine with like full face of makeup mm-hmm. but uh yeah and he gets interviewed and he spoils the end of the movie like before the end of the movie and so it's like a like a really fun experiment like playing with format that's funny sounds good to me alright Let, let's wrap up here uh, thank you for being on this inaugural inaugural? In, 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 no, inaugural episode of the relaunch uh, you know you're a good friend of mine I didn't expect you to say no but you, you never know uh, factual uh, tell tell everybody every single place that they can find your work. We did a, we did a little bit in the beginning, but let's hear it from you. Hmm. I would say uh, I have a African history uh, blog called Red, Black, and Green. Yes, Red, Black. I remember it's RBG, uh, RBG like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and uh, I was going to debut it on a certain day but she died that day so i was like oh this is weird I, I should move it i should do it a week from now so it's uh not on the same day because it's just her initials actually <laughs> but uh uh yeah so uh, red black and green is a celebration of african history uh, i will get back to that eventually i have the notes done for the next two and i have to read a bunch of books and stuff for a couple more that's more intense and I make a point to be uh, more uh, more accurate so it takes longer for me to actually get through those Uh, Jailhouse 701 Japanese cult cinema Uh, I have 10 more things planned for it roughly and then after that I'm done with it I'll keep the site up but I'm not going to add to it once I do like the last stretch of it because I when write about other things besides movies in my free time. And mm-hmm. I have, as of now, 50 things written for it. And uh, it gets better as it goes along. Just if you read the old, start from the beginning, it it, it does get better. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so. 
Uh, I think you're uh, you're selling yourself short. I really don't like the grammar in, the, in like the first couple of years. I think it's really, really poor. Hmm. And I, I need I been I need to go back and fix some of that stuff. It's it's not good, in hmm. my opinion. And well, uh, I'll, I'll be the judge of that. Okay, I'm on movies from hell a whole bunch. I've been on grind been a whole bunch. I've been on Mustachio Podcastio. A uh, whole bunch. Um, what else do I have coming up? I think that's it. And uh, yeah, yeah, that, that that's it. Oh, a uh, grumpire. I have, I have a piece I'm writing about a '40s musical for them. That I'll, I'll leave at that. And I'm gonna do. Uh, uh, a little thing for their action roundup for June. Uh, yeah, June. So, uh, all right. Yeah. Be excellent time here because this episode is going to come out very soon after we do this recording. I want to get started. I want to put it out there. Uh, as for myself, besides doing Please Don't Send Me Outer Space, I, I also do Shoot the Piano Player, a French New Wave podcast with Spencer, and the Arbitrary Indiscriminate podcast with Spencer. That has a Patreon, which is soon going to encompass both Please Don't Send Me Outer Space and also uh, Shoot the Piano Player and uh, all the incarnations. We change the name whenever we start a new series on that. Uh, I haven't come up with a group encompassing name. Spencer and I will have to brainstorm that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so yes. those podcasts. Uh, and the Patreon is at AIM pod- or patreon.com slash AIM podcast. I also am making video game videos, which I upload to YouTube. Uh, you can find me at JDT, JDT Games underscore K. C, D. K as in kite, C as in cat, D as in doggy, 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 doggy. And uh, I got rid of my Twitter account that was JDT Movies. Just I just wanted to like start over with less aggression. I mean, I'm st- I still am very uh, vocal about the causes that I believe in, but I'm not going to get in anybody's face or anything like that. Uh, so my Twitter account is at JDT Games, and I'll be posting about whatever is coming out, whenever it comes out that I'm working on and my friends are working on. So next episode, I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, I've got a couple of other guests lined up, but uh, other than Martin Kessler, who has chosen the movie THX um, eleven thirty eight, I think that's what it's called, right? Yes, Sid um, Haig is in it. My favorite actor. Yes. Uh, so that will be coming soon, but not necessarily next episode. But uh, stay tuned. We're going to keep on doing this stuff. Anyways, I'll, I'll see you guys all on the other side of the moon where they keep the good popcorn. <laughs>